What's up, what's up, Highness Queens? We are back with another episode of Bluntly Black Girls. And I'm super excited. Let me tell you why I'm excited. Because it is summertime. It is, we are officially in summertime. While the uh, weather may not always seem like that, at least here where I'm at in the Bay Area. Although I'm not complaining because I'm not a huge fan of heat. I'm just happy it is get outside time of the year. Um, And so, you know, during get outside time of the year, I really start to think about like the people that are around me because you want to know who wants to go with you to the beach or who wants to go to brunch or who wants to do this other random activity that, you know, you do in summertime. And so I got with my guests and we talked about a whole bunch of shit. Like, honestly, we talked about a lot. But mainly, we talked about friendship and friendship among Black women and finding your tribe, nurturing those relationships, and then ending the ones that no longer serve you. Um, I really enjoyed this conversation. I feel like it is a deeper conversation that I've been wanting to have for quite a while. So I was super excited to have that conversation with my uh, highness queen friend, Jess, from the High on Feminine Feminism podcast. I really struggle with that word. But um, all of her information will be in the show notes, of course. And she does give you all of her contact information at the end of the show. But she is truly somebody that I am glad I had this conversation with. She had some great insight. And I also think that... uh, We talk a lot about like-mindedness, and she feels very much like-minded. So it was just a dope-ass conversation, and I hope y'all enjoy it. Um, Yeah, so let's get into this episode. So let me introduce who came to smoke with me today. It is my girl, Highness Queen Jessica of the High on Feminine I always have trouble saying this word, feminism <laughs> podcast. Yes. It's like there's too many ends and ends and I isms. Know. And then too many eyes. Right. Like it. just all the letters <laughs> are too many. <laughs> yeah. Whenever I try to spell it, I'm like, okay. M-I-N-I. <laughs> right. Um, the High on Feminism podcast. Um, so I think this is so dope because I know there aren't very many of us Black women in podcasting and so I'm always excited to find you know a sister in out in these streets these audio streets um (laughs) so yeah and you reached out and you're like hey let's talk some shit and I was like yes yes let's do that you know (laughs) yes and I I don't think you understand when I got the email I was like you're the first person to ever like reach out to me Mm -hmm. and say hey I want to do I like I want to come on your show and I was like mom people really like me <laughs> like do you see this like that is amazing so I just want to say thank you for yeah, taking the risk because I know me whenever I reach out to somebody it takes a lot of building myself up <laughs> to yeah. press that send button so I appreciate you taking the risk and reaching out and I think we're gonna have a dope ass episode today yeah, I think so too. And yeah, I remember the first time like someone emailed us to be on the podcast and I had like the same reaction. I was like, 
oh my god someone like found me and like thought i was cool and wants to talk i was right. like okay cool yeah let's do it right right it's um it's definitely one of those like like the smaller victories. Like, actually, I feel like it's a bigger victory for me personally. Like, it felt pretty fucking big. But yeah. it's like, you know, when I think of, when you think of victories, you think of, like, your podcast, like, hitting a million views. Like, these really, really gigantic goals. And I'm like, yeah. no, this is still something very big to me. And it made me feel really good. So. Good. I yeah. like to hear that. I'm happy. Yeah. So tell us about yourself, Jessica, your relationship with cannabis. How did you yeah. become a bluntly black girl? Um, you know, it's been a few years of making this happen. <laughs> um, I grew up in Vermont, like we're talking like farm country of Vermont. So, you know, uh, when I think about states, there are a few states that I always forget. Yeah, Vermont's one of them. <laughs> Vermont is actually one, very because when you said I was like, oh yeah, that is a state, huh? That's that's yeah. a real place. Yeah. Yes. Vermont that's so I know this is not what I just asked you but like how was that growing up in Vermont <laughs> um you know it was interesting um my sister and I were you know one of the few black people in our town um it's funny I actually just like randomly ran into a neighbor here in Brooklyn um who like saw my Vermont sweatshirt I was wearing and they were like oh are you from Vermont and I was like yeah and they're like oh I'm from like Newport Vermont which is my town and I was like the fuck? Like, that's where I'm from. You know, so uh I, I ended up going through my yearbook to like see if I could find him in my yearbook. And as I was going through, I was like looking and trying to count like how many brown people were in the school. And I think there was maybe like when I graduated as a senior, I think I counted maybe like four or five out of like four hundred students. Damn. So <laughs> I was, was gonna say on both hands, but you said on one hand. <laughs> Yeah, 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 no, 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 yeah. One hand, definitely one hand. Um, but it was, it was, you know, it was an interesting experience. I think I value some of it and hate some of it. Like I feel like everyone, so that's right. always good. Right. Um, but yeah, I started smoking in Vermont, um, very, very young age. Like I think fourteen. I want to say fourteen, fifteen, which was old for my town. There was a lot of kids that started smoking like seventh or eighth grade. And I think Jesus. I finally like, yeah, tested it out in like sophomore year or something of high school. I think I was my junior year. Yeah. Of high so, like, school. You know, seventh the eighth grade age. feels very young. Oh yeah. My what? town is yeah, they were well known back in the day. I don't know what it's like these days, but I do know of some seventh and eighth graders that, you know, were getting high all the time. <laughs> My God, what a what a life what a life to live. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <clears throat> so what's your uh, sorry, I cough a lot. <clears throat> no, I get it. I cough a lot too. I always my friends like, why are you cough so much? I was like, I smoke like every Oh my night. god, have I have we found out we're a way uh we're way more in common than we already knew? I said that's so wrong, but it's okay, I'm high. <laughs> uh, you, you know what I mean. Like Yeah, yeah. I we get, have more in common than we maybe thought we were going to. Thank you so much for making that so much more eloquent than my high ass did. Um, but yeah, because people talk about me all the time. My mom just stares at me and like shakes her head. Like, I don't even understand. Why are you doing this? <laughs> um, so yeah, I always have to give the disclaimer, like 
cough a lot. It's normal. Don't worry. Yeah. I will breathe again eventually. Yeah, yeah, right. So we're good. Um, so w- what's your relationship with cannabis now? You started when you were probably yeah. 16, 15, 16? Yeah, like 15, 16. Um, my relationship now is, you know, it's great. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I usually wake up, have my morning routine. I start work, like I said, at 10. So usually around like seven, I'll get up, like walk my dog, clean the apartment and then have like a joint and a cup of coffee, you know, out on my balcony and just like manifest and relax and all that good stuff. Um, I would say like on average, I smoke probably like four of like the king size joints a day. Um, you know, just throughout the day, nice little pattern, but I, you know, it's changed so much. Um, I like couldn't even like focus when I was smoking in high school. Like we would leave during lunch period and I would come back and I would just be way, way too high and, (laughs) you know, barely make it through class. And then in like college, like I couldn't be in public. I wasn't allowed to be in public. My friends didn't let me go in public if I was smoking weed. You know, like I just were you just like running off or just talking to people? Like what is I need more I would like lose I would lose like where I was kind of deal. Like I'd get so high that I'd like forget where I was or what I was doing or like how I was, you know, what I don't know. It just or I'd get into giggle fits where I like could not stop laughing at (laughs) all. So my friends were like, You gotta stay inside. (laughs) But I think my tolerance grew. And now I, now I can be in public. <laughs> <laughs> they let me outside now. Yeah. That, I mean, what were yeah, you smoking? Me like, because that sounds like some good shit. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. I was just smoking like flour, like way before, you know, like it makes me sound old, but like before like pre-rolls were like a huge thing or anything like that, or even like the cartridges and shit. Like I always, I grew up like smoking bowls. That's why I have like, too many bowls to like I don't even use them anymore because I roll <laughs> joints but I started with bowls and then you know had my little bong phase in college and then I moved towards joints like later on in life <laughs> yeah so, um I think that's kind of how I was too because when I first started smoking it was out of bowls um well when I was with my f- actually when I first started smoking in high school it was always blitz but they were yeah. from like other people get so I never really like I didn't have to roll I didn't have to like pack a like I didn't really care just give me something that's gonna get me high and yeah. but then when I started getting my own weed I was like oh we'll do the bowls because that's what we have but this is feels like so much more work than just stuffing a joint and I can't roll for shit so that's never really been an option <laughs> but I keep saying now I want to get a collection. I I am a collector, okay, of all okay. the things, the most random okay. thing, and I really want to start collecting bongs, like different bongs slash pipes, yeah. you know, that are like. And I have like already a vision of what it's gonna look like on my wall, but I want to do that when like I get my own house. I don't want to. Mm-hmm have to worry about moving all of those things. And I already have yeah. way too fucking much in my room. So um, we're going to wait till we get a house, but I'm fighting the urge. Every time I see like a really pretty bong or a really pretty pipe, I'm like, I want it. <laughs> but no, yeah, be strong. 
I know. I'm the same way. And then I'm just like, Jessica, you have so many pipes that you like don't even touch anymore. Like, why are you buying more? Yeah. Yeah. I have that's I'm just glad I finally gotten to the point where I can have that conversation with myself. Because before it was just impulse buy, impulse buy, impulse buy, impulse buy. And I get home, yep. I'm like, Jasmine, what the fuck? Like, this doesn't <laughs> even make sense. Like, girl. Um, but that's dope. I love that uh, you had, like, a very organic kind of, like, graduation in terms of your cannabis journey. Um, so that's always really beautiful. Um, now, I always like to check in with my guests before we really get into the nitty gritty because mental health is a super big part of my building community here. And so I wanted to check in and see how your mental health has been this week um, and how you've been this week. Yeah, I appreciate you doing a mental health check-in. I think that's super important. Um, You know, life is lifing right now. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. You know, I think as a business owner, um, especially like, for me, I'm like a very driven and determined person and I just like go for shit all the time. So I think like as a business owner, when you're going through rough patches or lulls, um, it's really like disheartening and, you know, not going to lie, I felt like a failure. <laughs> like it's been hard, um, you know, because I think when I, we just celebrated five years in February of me starting my um, PR and production company. Um, woke media. And so I think I like had this, you know, vision of like, Oh my God, it's five years. All these crazy, amazing things are going to happen. Like last year was great. So this year is going to be great too. And, you know, I'm like feeling the like sort of like after effects of COVID of like, you know, people were like ready to spend money 2021, 2022. And now things are going up and inflation's happening and they're less likely to do that. So it's like affecting the business and, you know, trying to like just get through that, you know, and stay calm for your employees and your clients and everyone else that's involved. So my mental health has been kind of on um, a little journey the last Mm -hmm. like few months, but you know, I'm trying to stay positive. I'm a big manifester of things. So, you know, lighting all my incense and lighting all my money candles and all that good stuff, you know, smoking my weed, all that good shit. I love that. Um, thank you, one, for being so honest and sharing because, you know, not that I feel other people have, but it's very easy to sugarcoat things and make things look nice and be like, oh, I'm fine. And everything's great and everything's yeah. rosy. And it really does take courage um, to say, you know, it's been a month. It's been a week. Like, you know, shit's a little stressful. So um, I just wanted to say I appreciate that vulnerability that you are sharing. And um, I love that you are keeping the positive. I posted a post today and it was something to the effect, I'm not going to be able to say it word for word, that, you know... um, positive people aren't the ones who are happy a hundred percent of the time. They're the ones who realize that even in a storm, things will get better. And I think that's very much kind of what you just said. And so, and it's crazy how like, and that post was about manifesting, you know, and really like keep pushing and how full circle this morning I make that post. And then here you come talking about it. And I'm like, you know, maybe, 
maybe I should <laughs> listen to my own advice because now I didn't hear it twice. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I'm, yeah. I'm glad that you are recognizing, taking the time to recognize and, you know, light your incense, do whatever you need to do to put yourself in the right headspace um, during those difficult and a little bit more stressful times. We definitely yeah. helps. I know we definitely helps. Um, and I also like, I've been trying to do like little breaks with my weed as well. Cause I think sometimes like depending on what strain I'm using, I might like my creativity level might be up, but being that creative and like alert gives me a little bit more anxiety. So trying to like balance out and then come back to like feel that real feeling. And I don't know about you, but I feel like every time I smoke a joint, 30 minutes after I start crying and it's like a cry that like I knew I needed and I'm just like, I feel so much better. And I, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. I could just be sitting on my couch by myself and just like crocodile tears running down, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, like, yeah, the, like mental uh, health, the, like the catharsis of release, yeah. like the, and it really kind of just the cannabis really just lets you let down those walls, the Always, I have to be strong, especially for us Black women. We live, we carry strength on our shoulder, which I do believe is a strength, but it can also be a weakness. Um, And so it's, you have to have that escape. And, you know, another thing we share in common is cannabis is, you know, that wall breaker, you know, for those moments. Because as much as I hate crying, it is something that I'm very much working on in therapy with my therapist, but... (laughs) As much as I hate crying, um, you do general. I do generally feel better when it get when you get it out. Oh yeah, you know? one hundred percent. So that's so beautiful, and I I hope that um, things get better. They will get better because they you know, will. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's not even a matter of hope. It is things will get better, and especially in terms of business, like business is ebbs and flows, you know, peaks and valleys and stuff like that. It always feels so hard to get out of that, that valley when you're in it. But the reminder, like, you know, I've been in the mountaintop before, so we can get back there again. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think it's also just like, we're so young, you know? So it's like, we like started out really slow and then it was like, right when we picked up or we're about to the pandemic happened, you know? So Mm. it's also like, I think what people forget, and this is for like anyone who might be feeling similar to me that's listening. But I think what we forget is like remembering all the crazy ass shit that has happened up to this point, you know, like I, like I was sitting with my boyfriend and I was just like, Oh my God, I feel like a fucking failure. Like this is terrible. You know, like what am I doing? And he's like, well, think about, you know, all these factors that have come into play and like all the things that have been going on over the last couple of years since you just decided to go out on your own. And like, you should be happy of that. And I, and I forget that sometimes I forget to be like proud of myself for where I am in this moment. Even if this moment is like kind of hard, I'm like, well, at least we got to this moment, you know, like, it might suck for a little bit, but we here. Like, look at all that shit we just did to get here. <clears throat> yeah, being present is not always easy. <laughs> like, and I don't think I really understood that until I started the podcast and like until I started 
pouring my all into something. I don't want to say mm-hmm. that because there was other things that I've done that I poured my all into, but like, there's just something different about the podcast. Like, yeah. Um, shit. <laughs> I forgot what I was saying. <laughs> I mean, I think it just in general, like makes you think like a little bit more about what you're saying, mm-hmm. you know, cause you're creating this platform and eventually people are going to listen to it. So it's like, mm-hmm. what's going into that and how do you make it like, really authentically you and I mean interviewing people is like it's that really challenges you to like be in the moment you know like my gosh I was like oh this is this is a real thing this is not when Mm -hmm. I first started this is not even now it is not what I thought it was gonna be doing a podcast is not what I thought it was gonna be um it's in a good way and a bad way, like you know, there it's definitely more struggle bus than I thought it was going to be, but it's also yeah. more rewarding. And so I just try and focus on the the rewarding and the learning from the struggle, and then you know, yeah, that kind of definitely. Out. So what are you smoking over there? Oh, um, I, you know, I thought about this when I picked up weed last week, and I was like, oh, I saw those questions, and she's gonna ask me what kind of strain I'm smoking, but like, I never ask. <laughs> you never. Ask, where do you get it from? Um. So shout out to my guy Larry. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. That's my dad's name. <laughs> Is your dad my weed dealer? Yeah, man. <laughs> I knew he, that money was coming from somewhere. I am expensive. Okay. <laughs> Um, but I think my main concern is always like, if it's a hybrid or a sativa or an indica, like that is my biggest, like, that's what I ask, you know, um, I haven't gotten too much into the actual strain types yet, like the names of them and really knowing sort of like their genealogy or whatever. Um, but I pay more attention to like the indica sativa like side of things. So this is, this is actually a salad. Uh, so this is some sort of hybrid and some sort of sativa just blended together. <laughs> a salad. I have never heard that term before, <laughs> I, but I think I love it. So like, yes. does that just mean like when you mix any trees together or is it like yeah. a specific thing? No. So I had a friend that would like buy all of his weed and then just like combine it all into one jar. And I was just like, oh my God, that seems crazy to do. I was going to say that's so crazy. (laughs) Yeah. So I started doing it. So now I'll get either like two different half ounces or, you know, if like money's good, I'll get two ounces, you know, one of each, like, and just put them in the same jar and just use them as I go. And I don't really know if, which one it is. It's both of them mixed together. That is a life to live. I think I would go crazy. Like I'm so, and don't get me wrong. Cause you were saying like the genealogy of, I don't know all that. I'm not, that <laughs> I'm just a sucker for packaging and a sucker for names. Like, yeah. so, and I have to stay away from Indica. And so like, that's for me, that's why I have to like, always make sure what it is I'm smoking. What is it? Like you said, sativa, Indica or hybrid. Um, but then also the names, like I, I love variety. So I don't even know that I would buy a half ounce of one thing at a time because then that's all I'm going to smoke. But I'll buy like a bunch <laughs> yeah. of Aves 
or like a pre-roll here, pre-roll there, pre-roll that. And then you just have yeah. like a smorgasbord of options. True, true. I will say I just bought some weed when I was out in California and it was called Cheetah Piss, which like, yep. I don't really care for the name. <laughs> yeah, the names are crazy, but um, Cheetah Piss is actually really good. It's one of the ones I use to like, not morning work, but like after lunch kind of work. Like I need a little bit more of a pick me up, but I don't want to be like zoom, 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 because also in a couple hours, I'm going to be ready to lay yeah. down. That's the yeah, one. Exactly. I, that's what I like cheetah piss for. Okay. <coughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I didn't mind it. I had like an interesting like aftertaste in my mouth, but you know, like I couldn't, I couldn't like pick something out if someone was smoking it and smoke it and be like, oh my God, this is cheetah piss. You know, like, I don't know that. <laughs> How good are you? Because I'm not that good either. How good are you with, like, flavor profiles? I, I'm so horrible. Except mm. citrus. Like, I can always tell you citrus because it's citrus. But yeah. anything else, I'm like, mm, it's weed. I can do, like, the smoky, I guess. But, like, I don't know. I'm better with wine on that than I am. Wine either. <laughs> I, my theory is that I have just burned off my taste buds at this point. So... <laughs> They're like, girl. That could be it too. Right. If they're not strong lemon orange flavors, we ain't got nothing for you. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I am smoking Miss Africa, speaking of names. Um, (laughs) So I'm in Reno at my mom's house. And so one of the things, again, I love variety. So I love coming to like new places and trying different brands and so I told the guy I was like I need sativa because I am a naturally lazy person so I actually use trees to make me not be lazy which is why I'm very strict on staying away from indica or anything even indica dominant because one puff and I'm like all right let's go take a nap (laughs) yep yeah so like nothing else is getting done that day (laughs) Um, so yeah. he's like, yeah, I got this sativa dominant. The, it's pretty good. Let me grab it. And he brought it over and it says Miss Africa. And I was like, did you bring this to me? Cause I'm black. And he said, no, it's just the only sativa dominant we have. And I was like, all right, I'm gonna trust you. Um, <laughs> but I mean, can you not like as a black woman, can you not get a strain called Miss Africa? It's like, I mean, I feel like it was just fate. Right. And I think he said, Either it was the last one of this brand, of this strain or it was the last sativa dominant they had in the store. So it was the last of something and it was meant for me. Okay. So, exactly. Yeah. It was meant for you. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so do you prefer, so I'm just, I, I prefer cones um, or I like King Palms too, but I tend to, I feel like King Palms burn faster. Maybe I just hit them harder and I just get through them faster because, you know, the terpene taste, I don't know. But um <laughs> What do you prefer? What is your preferred consumption method? Yeah, um, I'm a papers girl. Um, on the podcast, we have a bunch of different like female owned and operated cannabis CBD brands that sponsor the episodes. So I've had a chance to try some really cool rolling papers um, for like the feminine touch. This company called AFG, AFG Sugar. They have pink rolling papers and pink tips like. So this joint here has like the pink tip 
Oh, that's so, so cute. And this is how I know, like, all of the joints at a party are mine because they all have the pink tips on them, <laughs> which I hey, love. it makes identification um, easy. Yeah, so I have those. And then we're also, this season's being sponsored by Ash Smoke, and they also do rolling papers. And theirs are super nice, and they come with, um, do I have some here? I do not. But they come with, uh, like, the perforated rolling tips and everything too i can do cones because i don't have to roll so i still like papers but i can't roll so i don't like actual papers what is it about but rolling use, that you feel like you can't do i don't my hand eye coordination is so off and i don't think i ever realized it until i started trying to roll and i was like my brain is saying to do this and my fingers are doing this and it's not like, I don't even know what's happening. And um, I mean, I, if I had to roll something and there was absolutely no other option, I can make something work. But is it going to look good? Is it going to look pretty? No. It'll be smokable. But it might take me a minute to get there. <laughs> yeah. So, and it's just, it just feels like more like work. Like for a long time I used, and that was the other thing, I used to use a, um, a joint roller, and I love that thing. Um, mm-hmm. But, well, I guess I could, you know, you could put the glass tips in there, but I never put the glass, like, I never put a tip in there. And so there was always the end of the weed that I just wasn't smoking because that's where yeah. my lips are. And so I was like, yeah. this is stupid. And then you, like, get the little, like, nuggets, you know, the little mm-hmm. smooth snacks fall mm-hmm. into your mouth and stuff. It's just, yeah, it's not fun. Not at all. Not at all. So when I found cones, I was like, yo. And King Palms, I was like, this is a game changer. Game <laughs> changer. Um, because also I was burning my finger a lot on on bowls. I kept burning oh, my yeah. thumb. And I was yeah. like, well, that, you know, that gets old very fast. So. <laughs> yeah, there's something for everyone, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the great thing about um, cannabis is it's uh, universal. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, well, that is lovely. So you have some mixture concoction of sativa and hybrid, and yeah. we have, which I'm pretty sure this is like a hybrid because it says sativa dominant. If it was just sativa, it would just say sativa, right? I'm. Yeah, um, probably. Yeah, I would assume. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and Miss Africa. So there you go. Out of, both out of papers or and or cones. <laughs> yes. With um, let's get into our high blessings because I'm just feeling, like I said, today has, it, like you said, it's Monday and it feels like a manifesting Monday. Yeah. I meant to say manifestation. But I think I like manifesting more. Like, let's just make yeah. it a verb. Like, yeah, a it's theme. like that Madonna song, Manic Monday, but it's manifesting just another manifesting Monday. No, I actually <laughs> do not know that song. <laughs> oh my God. You don't know Manic Monday by Madonna? No. Now I'm going to have to okay, go listen you, to you it. Have to, yeah, you're going to have to listen to it. Um, is it Madonna? It's by one of them. I think it's like, <laughs> one of them ladies. <laughs> one of them ladies from back in the day. 
<laughs> my cousin's gonna the be bangles. so. Oh yeah, I absolutely have no idea who those people even are. Okay, I'm gonna send this to you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my I was gonna say if it was Madonna, my cousin's sitting here like, how dare you, Jasmine? I've taught you better <laughs> than this. Uh, but the fact that it's not, I think I feel better now. I feel redeemed. So uh, Tatiana, you are not allowed to yell at me because it was not Madonna. <laughs> Yes, it was the bangles. The bangles. Like your wrist? Like on your wrist? Yeah. Oh, nope. Never heard them, people. Oh, I feel like uh, you'll know the song once you listen, though. Probably. It's probably one of those that, like, you hear all the time. Um, yeah. It's very popular. I'm trying to think of another one, but I can't think of the name or how it goes right now, so we'll just... We'll just... <laughs> I will look forward. Yeah. I will look for your message and be like, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, on this Manifesting Monday, we are going to get into our high blessings, our manifestations. I really have come to enjoy, I don't know if that's the right word. Um, it's not the right word, but I can't think of the word that I'm trying to think of. But when I do my manifestations and my affirmations, consuming cannabis really feel helps me feel open and mm-hmm. like I just feel like it it I receive it better. It sinks down a little bit deeper, maybe. So it's really become a part of my manifestation routine to be high while manifesting and and, you know, and it works for me. Do you typically, yeah, I was going to say, are you also one of the (laughs) high manifesting Queens of here? Yes. Yes, I am. And ever since I had one of our guests, um, Juliana Rose, she's the founder of uh, 420 Tarot. Um, I had her on second season. I think it was, or maybe it was first. I forget. I've talked to so many people. <laughs> that sounds I like an interesting cards. lady. Yeah, I use her cards all the time. Um, she has a tarot deck that she does all the art for and everything. And I've never done tarot before. And she taught it to me last year when I was out in California and um, recorded with her. And part of using the deck is like before you flip the cards, you're supposed to like exhale your weed smoke into the deck to like manifest Mm. whatever you know you want to get from it and so I do that all the time like that like my that's the only time I manifest is when I'm high Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know like it just I feel like it just really elevates it not in like a cheesy high pun or anything like that (laughs) but you just can't you just can't just skip over it like it just works so well the highness brings you to a higher elevated (laughs) mindset you know yeah exactly you get it get it yes yes I particularly love cheesy anything like my friends laugh at me for how much I love cheesy is so you're talking to the right girl here yes yes queen of cheese everyone says I have like the most dad jokes ever like yes yes. okay you want to hear one you want to hear one? Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Why didn't the skeleton cross the road? <laughs> because he didn't have the guts. 
That's good. That's what I get that sometimes, but no, he didn't have nobody to go with him. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> Okay, that one's funny though. <laughs> That's like it. one of my favorite jokes ever. I only know like four. And there was another <laughs> one that I like recently heard and I was like, you gotta add this to your repertoire, but I've already forgot it. <laughs> okay. Well, if so, you remember it, let me know. I will absolutely send it to you. <laughs> Amazing. I love that. Yeah. Love yeah. Joke. I get most of my um my jokes from Laffy Taffy rappers. So. Oh my god, I love those jokes on there. Yeah, and I are love Laffy Taffy. <laughs> are we I don't know. I feel like kindred <laughs> spirits. <laughs> yeah. Wait. Okay. So there's one Laffy Taffy that gets thrown away. The uh, banana one. Yep. Oh my god. Yep. Nope. Like I, I try. I was like go through the bananas. bags. And... I do too. I can't eat them because they mess up my stomach. But I do love bananas. But yeah. banana flavored things, Flavor, like that fake no. banana. Yeah. What about those candies, the fruit candies that are hard and there's like the banana one and it like, I don't know why they think banana tastes so shitty in any of the <laughs> Like who told oh, like you? Can, you replicated every other like taste <laughs> ever, but you couldn't replicate a banana's taste. Like that one was too hard for you guys. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. My dad had... Apple flavored salsa water. But y'all can't make right, right, right. So is it like but, apple juice, but not apple juice? Girl, look. <laughs> <laughs> I was so confused. And I, I, I meant to go ask him to take water. Yes, he, he gets the flavored waters from flavored sparkling waters from Walmart. And there was a Fiji apple one. And I'm like, what does that taste like? And then I was so mad because I gave it to him with his food. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to go back because I'm want i going to ask him so I could taste that. Like, I need to know what this tastes like. I went yeah. back there and he'd already drank it. I was like, who drinks <laughs> things that fast? I, had to, I was just back here. Now I can't even know. So well, apparently it was really good. And now you can go buy some. It, that does not mean it was really good. That just means that man was really thirsty. He'll he'll put up with a lot <laughs> if he's thirsty. Yeah. So it's like I just need um, something. Yeah. <laughs> I forget how we got here, but I fully agree that they do not do <laughs> banana flavored things correctly. I don't know how we got here either, but here no. we are. <laughs> oh well. Um high blessings. <laughs> um <laughs> You want to do yours first? Just because your okay. name is first on the How many um, high blessings? Oh, the one that you put is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. Look, you know. don't even remember. You're pouring oh, out greatness like my, all like, over manif- the face. Manifestation thingy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. So um, my high blessings thing that I normally say is, um, you know, everything's going to be okay. <laughs> Like, mm-hmm. I feel like I have to tell myself that, especially when I get super stressed. Um, Cause I think what, you know, I think it's like a mind thing. I've really like realized power of the mind last few years. So it's definitely a mind thing, but it's also just like, 
an anxiety thing. Like if you're freaking out about something, it's then going to like cause you to spiral, which is then going to make you make shittier decisions and make things even worse. So it's like, just calm down. Everything's going to be okay. Like you're going to figure it out, you know? And yeah, usually I figure it out. Um, (laughs) Sometimes you really do have to like remind yourself like, yo, Shit's yeah. going crazy, but yeah. you will get through this. Everything is going to work it out, work itself out. Like you said, I I remember, yeah. especially right after high school and like maybe to about 25-ish, um, I worked, but I didn't work a job. I wasn't working full time and I didn't work a job that paid very much. But me and my best friend always found ways to do ratchet shit with our friends. and whenever we were trying to like okay how are we gonna make this work this week I was like but everything's gonna be fine we always figure it out like we always figure it out and just even now I find myself repeating myself that to myself you always figure it out like feels crazy right now but you always figure this shit out so you did it back then you can do it now yeah yeah and I think too it's just like having the mindset to like think like do I have what it takes to do what I need to do to figure this out as well? You know, like whether that means like sometimes, you know, like cutting back on your budget and how much you're spending or, you know, like making sure you're eating better foods or whatever it is. Like, do you have that to like, know that you're going to have to put in the work to make it right again. That's Mm -hmm. what's, that's what's challenging. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, and it's, again, everything happens for a reason because that very much ties into my high blessing, or at least it did in my brain. Um, But my high blessing is I keep my promises to myself because I know I'm worth it. And discipline is self-love. And so what I heard you talking about was discipline. Like it is not easy. Like, yeah. And I I don't want to, well, yeah, I'll say, especially for me, I don't know about everybody, but I, again, I am lazy. I enjoy being lazy. Okay. But at the same time, I'm expensive and I uh, enjoy doing nice things and going nice places and doing all those things, which you cannot do when you're lazy. And so figuring out discipline has been my biggest, I think, hurdle and um, I'm still trying to jump over that bitch. And she is just, she she is a tall lady. Okay. Yeah. Um, but like you said, it's about putting in that work and knowing that on the other side of it, everything is okay. Yeah. Like, and honestly, yeah. it's pro- it may not be exactly what you want because, you know, you, you almost never get exactly what you want, but you'll get exactly yeah. what you need. And but you got to have that, that discipline. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I like the way that you phrase that too. Like you won't get exactly what you want, but you'll get what you need, which I think is like, that's the important thing, you know, like, I don't know, not the idea of like settling on something, but I think like the universe knows what you need to like get you to a certain point, Mm -hmm. you know? And when I started the business, I like, I had to have discipline. Cause I was like, Oh shit. Like 
I'm in charge. Like mm-hmm. I have to make sure that I am getting up early in the morning and starting work and doing the things that I need to do to like make a living. Like no one else is going to do that for me now. So what do I need to do? How do I discipline myself? You know, like I'm going to bed at this time or I'm working from these hours to these hours. Like what do I have to do to put that in place to make sure that I can like succeed? And, you know, through that all know that if I just, you know, stick to the path, <laughs> everything's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Story. <laughs> I love it. And I love how, like I said, I love how those fit together. Um, just really kind of beautifully to me, if you know, if you're asking my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so on that note, I'm going to take another hit real quick and then we're going to get into this blunt talk. This is, you're like, you're such an amazing person. Like <laughs> I'm really enjoying talking to you and sitting here talking oh, thank with you. you. Yeah. I felt like you said kindred spirits. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because, you know, today's topic is about friendship and how you find friends and all that. And I'm like, look at this. The internet connecting people. (laughs) Right. It's doing something. (laughs) Right. Even through the technical issues. (laughs) Yes. I know. I was like, oh, my God, I I don't want to seem like I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) Not at all. Like I said, I the the robots hate me routinely. I personally think they know that I know that they're going to take over the world. And so yeah. they're actively trying to take me out. Um, <laughs> even if it's just by annoying me to death. Um, so, yeah, you having technical issues is nothing. Normally it's me. So actually this time okay. it felt good <laughs> to not be me. Okay, good. So, good. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. No worries at all. Um, so this blunt talk, I wanted to talk about friendship, um, specifically between black women and why we feel so alone and how do we remedy remedy that? Now, when I say we feel so alone, it's actually not just we, not just us black women, um, There's actually a Surgeon General warning um, earlier this year, uh, or maybe statement is the correct word. I don't know. Don't quote me on that. But it is on the government's website. Okay. (laughs) Um, Saying that we are in an epidemic of loneliness and isolation, um, even before COVID. Like, obviously, COVID made that a million times worse because we literally had to isolate. Um, but even before COVID, uh, humans. I know my answer. <laughs> I know my answer. Uh, humans were feeling alone. Like there was no other humans that understood. Um, so I'm yeah. going to throw some stats at you real quick. Yes, because give me all the facts. These stats kind of blew my mind. So, um, and again, this is from the Surgeon General's statement on the Surgeon General's website. I don't know what that website is called, (laughs) but I'm sure y'all can figure it out from that. (laughs) Um, The physical health consequences of poor or insufficient human connection include a 29% increased uh, risk of heart disease, 32% risk of stroke, and a 50% increased risk 
wow, increased risk. 50% increased risk of developing dementia for older adults. So you're 50% more likely to develop dementia because, because you feel isolated and alone. Um, wow. Right. Uh, lacking social connection increases risk of premature death by more than 60%. That's a lot of, like, that's everybody. Um, it also contributes substantially to mental health challenges in adults. The risk of developing depression among people who report feeling lonely often is more than double that of people who rarely or never feel lonely. Um, and then loneliness and social isolation in childhood increases the risk of depression and anxiety, both in childhood and adulthood. So it is actually like a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, it was very much shocking, like especially those numbers to be so high. Um, but at the same time, it also made me feel connected. Yeah. Because I was like, huh, it's not just me. I'm not yeah. the only one out here talking about I ain't got no friends. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, yeah, so let's let's start, you know, with that information. Like I said, I threw a lot of numbers at you. What does that information make you think? What does it make you feel? Yeah. Um, a lot. <laughs> right? Okay. Again, I'm glad I'm not the only one. Cause I was like, that's yeah. so sad. Yeah. Um, you know, I am a sociologist at heart. I, I am obsessed with the study of people and why we as humans do this crazy shit that we do. This is um, why we get along. Cause I find I, humans fascinating. I do too. And mm -hmm. I, and I have, I feel like I, um, I feel like it's a skill, honestly. I'm going to toot my own horn here. Um, but I really feel like I can like identify why things are happening the way that they're happening, you know? And I don't know what that's called in the sociological world, but, you know, I like to call it I'm a seer because I'm a Capricorn and, you know, we see the future. So we see all Well, can I tell you what I like to call it? I like to call it Jasmine's next question because I was literally in my next question. Why do you think everyone feels so lonely, Miss Seer of Future Questions? Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, it definitely happened over 2020. But I think what really was the shift was obviously 2016. Like, that was crazy. And people all of a sudden really felt divided and felt like they couldn't you know, speak their minds or talk about whatever they needed to talk about or, you know, whatever the hell it was as far as like politics were concerned. And people really started separating at that point and either isolating themselves or just feeling like they couldn't speak. And then you go into something like the pandemic and leading up to it and the insanity of you know, the Black Lives Matter movement and just everything that's been happening in recent years. It's like people are increasingly more and more stressed and their mental health is waning. And, you know, you think, oh, but everyone had this sort of like break from life during the pandemic. And it's like, not really. People still had to work. Like the government wasn't really giving people anywhere near what they needed to even like sustain their living. You know, like that, not even just in the city, but outside of the city as well. 
And then you're telling people to go inside and only communicate with certain people. And you have those people that already are insecure about being outdoors. And then you throw something like a global pandemic that feels like an apocalypse on top of them. And then they retreat and then they further retreat. And people that you didn't even realize needed to be outdoors and are indoors are like freaking the fuck out. Like, I realized that about myself. I was like... I can't be inside. Like I was a bad participant during the pandemic. I actually traveled because I was like, if I stay inside this apartment, I will off myself. Like Mm -hmm. it ain't going to be pretty. Like I can't, I can't be in here. Like I have to communicate with someone, you Mm -hmm. know, and my roommate left and she went home and stayed for actually, she stayed up until like 2021. She finally moved back or 2022, I think. And I was by myself in my apartment and I had friends that were terrified of even just like, you know, walking on opposite sides of the street and just talking, you know, mm-hmm. like the ridiculousness, like there was this fear that was put into everybody. And I also just think in in general, like the generational trauma that we just don't fix, you know, like we're sort of talking about mental health now. I think the pandemic helped with that. I think 2016 election helped with that as well. You know, because people were, I don't know what your beliefs are, but Trump's fucked up. You know, mm-hmm. like the things that he did, has done, has said, is planning to do, like that fucked with a lot of people. Like the odd, like he split the, com- the country apart and mm-hmm. everyone loves to act like everything's okay and everyone's cool. And it's like, well, I know that me as a black woman, I feel very differently, you know wandering around the United States pre-Trump versus post-Trump, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm, I'm considered light skin. Mm-hmm. Like what am I like? People are depressed because this fucking shithole is depressing, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, and I, you, I don't want to laugh cause it's not funny, but it's just like, how did we get to this fucking point though? And then everyone's like shocked at the statistics. I'm like, oh, you're shocked that everyone's depressed after the last like 10 years we just had? Really? Mm-hmm. You're shocked by that? I find that hard to believe. Like, you're kidding me, right? Most of these people just want to like control the narrative and make it seem like everything's fine so they can go do, you know, more terrible shit. But it's just like, they need to focus on the people and the mental health conversation and building, like rebuilding community. That's mm-hmm. my that's my answer to solving the world's problems. <laughs> I I agree. I agree. Now I will say that I was probably a better participant at the social distancing than than you described, but I do agree with everything you said. I think that um my um answer to why why does everyone feel lonely actually was pre-Trump uh, has a lot. I think it has a lot to do with social media. Um, yeah. And in a in a situation where we are supposed to be social and supposed to foster this community and foster this communication and friendship, I think what it's done is actually isolated us from each other and um, pit it pit us against each other. Um, And then, you know, when, like you said, when 2016 came and Trump, he made it okay to say whatever the fuck he wanted. 
and there be no consequences. And that completely turned this, our world upside down. Like you said, I, I fully am a different black woman than I was before Trump than I am now. Um, and I don't know whether that's a better or a worse thing. Yeah. I mean, we're taught to like adapt. That's just like what we have to do to make it through, you know? So, you know, if I, I take a lot of like road trips. So if I'm driving through the South, you know, I, I might like just wear my hair in a bun that day versus wear it like out crazy in a fro like this, Mm -hmm. you know, just like do some smaller things to like not stand out Mm -hmm. because I drove through the South, like right before the 2020 election. And actually I think it was post 2020 election. Yeah, it was. Um, And there was still, you know, I loved it. It was like stapled to trees were like the like Trump 2020 banners. And then there was like the blue lives matter flag and the Confederate flag all next to each other. And, you know, you're just like, "Mm, maybe I'll wait like 20 more miles before I stop for gas kind of deal. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. this is a small podunk town in fucking East bumfuck nowhere. Like I don't need to stop here. Yeah. And (laughs) before I might be more comfortable doing it. Or you wouldn't even think about it. Maybe like it wouldn't be it. And that's what I feel from it is like, I feel like I'm a lot less naive Mm -hmm. um, than I even knew I was like, I I never realized how naive I was until all these things started happening. And I was like, oh, this is still like, I knew racism was alive. Like we, I'm a black woman. I never think that that's gone, but it was very much racism is alive and in your face. Yeah. Yeah. So I fully, I definitely think that, um, that's so it's, I I love that because I feel like that's even, um, I don't want to maybe deeper or different viewpoint than I looked at it. Like I looked at it at more of like a surface level of we're just, we're not making friends because we're always in competition, but I really, it, it goes deeper than that. Like maybe not, maybe we're not making friends because people legitimately truthfully hate each other. Yeah. And not all people, obviously. Um, but there is quite enough that it makes a humongous impact. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, I, during 2020 election, that was a rough election. Like there, I know lots of people who, I lost at least two friends and stopped speaking to a family member, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, during that time. Um, And I know a lot of other friends that had the same thing. And I think it was like, it sort of started in 2016 and kind of snowballed into this bigger thing where finally like some people not enough in my opinion but some people were actually like you know what i am going to take a stance against this i am going to call out these people that are doing microaggressions or being blatantly racist or homophobic or you know misogynistic and i'm going to like stop being friends with them and disassociate and all of that stuff and 
what it ended up doing was, you know, just pushing all the like-minded people together (laughs) and getting them all rallied. And, you know, that's why January 6th happened, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's all like such a snowball effect and things that could stop. But it's like, we say for such a long time, like, you know, you don't talk about politics or religion at the dinner table kind of deal. But it's like, had we been talking about it all along, I don't think that it would ever get to this point. We could really figure out a better system than all these old white men that are about to die. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know this is not exactly the same, but it makes me think about um, how they say you don't talk about uh, your pay rate with your coworkers. And that has always confused me. Yeah. Always confused me because I'm like, well, then how do I know? If we don't yeah. talk about it, how do I know? Like, otherwise you're sitting here making, and, and that goes into anything, whether you're talking about compensation, whether you're talking about religion or politics, like, how do you know what the other person feels unless you both are open enough to talk about it and yeah. open enough to understand that you do not have to agree? Exactly. Like it's a, it's a maturity level that I think, I think millennials are definitely in grasp of that. I was going to ask you how old are you? (laughs) I'm technically a millennial. I was going to say, yeah, me too. This this feels like a conversation that I'm having with another millennial. (laughs) Yeah. I definitely think millennials have a grasp on it. Our like parents, I would say have like a semi grasp on it. There's still a lot of them that are very much like old school mindset. And then it's like the grandparents, which is like, are those the boomers? I don't even freaking know the terms anymore. But whatever the grandparent level is, like, those are the ones that are still kind of set in their ways. But a few of them are like open to the change and they like to see it, you know? But it's like our parents, there's still a big majority of our parents' age, which I would say is like, Honestly, I would say from like the 40s to 60s that are still very much like that conservative mindset, Mm -hmm. you know, and then they're bringing up their kids to kind of in that same mindset. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, if women ran the world, they they say it would be horrible. But honestly, I like we can do anything like and and there's just. Yeah. There's just so many advantages because we are the creators of motherfucking life. Okay. (laughs) I think we could do this better. Fully believe. And technically you don't even need a man to have a child these days. See, we can figure out how to do it without y'all. Y'all can't even figure none of it out. (laughs) Yeah. Like if women were gone, like men would not be able to have children. Bottom line. Yeah. Sucks for them. Um, Wait, um, I don't know how we got to this point, but <laughs> from why do you think everyone is feeling so lonely? And like I said, oh I think that your answer was a lot, I'm be honest, a lot deeper than my answer. <laughs> um, but I, that's why I love having these conversations because I feel like I always get amazing viewpoints from other people. I always feel like I come back having learned something, even if like not in this is not the case now because I fully agree with you. But even if I don't agree with whatever was said, I've learned something in that moment. And so yeah. I think that's why these conversations are so important. Um, like, like 
the whole, like you said, the whole, you don't talk about politics. You don't talk about your pay rate and those conversations are important because otherwise you keep everybody apart. Yeah. They're meant to divide us. Right. They're meant to, to keep people in their place. Yeah. And, and feel that competitiveness. Right. And we ain't doing that over here because you know, they always like to say, especially black women cannot work together. Yeah. But I feel like my my podcast, your podcast, has been um, proof of the opposite because that's what we're doing. Like we're just yeah. you just you just don't see it because they don't they don't show it to you. But it absolutely we can we can work together. We can have friendships that are um, productive and supportive and that pour into each other. And it yeah. not be, you know, toxic. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's why I started the High on Feminism podcast. Like I, uh, like, I like to, you know, be very upfront because I'm not perfect. Like, I used to not be a great, like, girl's girl, you know? And I, I don't even remember what it was, but there was just like a turning point where I was just like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be this type of person. You know, like I, like someone would walk on the subway and I would like instantly in my head be like, like those shoes are ugly or whatever. And I was like, bitch, what's wrong with you? Like, (laughs) why are you like doing this? Like, that's just because that's what they teach us. And and I think that's what I was, my point with the social media and why I think people, why social media is so impactful to why people are lonely because social media is what take, what gives us that it is, it is the internal mind that we see other people talking about, you know, this person on Facebook about this. Yeah. Or, well, their successes. Um, and then you, you know, you have the comparison, Oh, I'm not as good as that person. Or then you have the people who are just sitting there talking shit and it could be about the, you know, Beyonce, you know, who is Beyonce, but they're going to point at the one mole on her left toe that is just a little bit extra. And so it's like, you know, if somebody can find something on Beyonce that's wrong, then of course they're going to find something with me that's wrong. So let me find something with them that's wrong first. You know, it goes into that, that defensive mechanism. And that is what I feel like, I, again, I do agree racism is a huge issue um, and a huge reason, but I think secondary to that. It's internalized as right, well. It's like right. inter- internalized misogyny. Yes. Um, there's that Beyonce song with uh, Chimando Ngozi where she says, you know, like women, you know, are basically like pitted together. Like why mm-hmm. are women put on in competition? You know, why can't we be put on competition for things like, work or you know success is not like men and it's like yeah like women are taught to be threatened by the next person and when you get into black women that's a whole nother ballpark because it's also internalized racism because darker skinned black women versus lighter skinned black women versus the texture of your hair versus the size of your ass your tits like your curves literally everything everything (laughs) you know and I like I grew up in pretty much an all white town and, you know, I was adopted. So my family is predominantly white as well. And I never really had any black women friends when I was growing up. All my friends were white. 
And whenever I would go to, you know, other basketball games of schools who did have other black girlfriends, like there was always like that, like they were, you know, didn't like me or whatever. And I realized that it was because I was lighter skinned than them. Or I realized it's like they knew that my family was white or something. So their idea is like, oh, she's privileged. And that itself led over to like college, like college. I went to school in the Bronx, like there, most of that school was black. So now I'm going from like a predominantly white school, white town to one of the biggest metropolises in the fucking world. And, you know, the Bronx, which is filled with black and Spanish people of all colors and shapes and sizes and had a few girls that, you know, spoke to me here and there, but I honestly didn't really have like black women friends until probably like 20, like 15, I would say. Yeah. 25th. Yeah. That was like post-college. Um, I was going to ask what, how many, how many black women girlfriends do you think you have? Black women friends. Do you think you have right? Um, about now and like I was gonna say growing up as well, but you already got there. But how did yeah, that I mean, none growing up. <laughs> right. So now looking back where you now have black women friends that you can relate to in mm-hmm. that way, like what do you what does it look like looking back on your childhood and having missed that? Yeah, I mean like that's we're getting deep (laughs) it just came out of nowhere you you see what you have inspired (laughs) (laughs) um I really don't know honestly because you know I had my sister so I did see another black person there and I definitely think that you know I was fortunate enough to have a lot of like love and support growing up from both friends and family Um, but what I see about like my relationships, I guess now with black women that it feels different. is just like, I think just like at the end of the day, like having someone understand just life, you know, Mm -hmm. like the hardships you go through, like how long it, like some of the simple things, like how long it takes to get your hair done, if you're getting it braided, you know, Mm -hmm. or like the idea of like not touching my hair. You know, or like, (laughs) just like, you know, how it feels to be a black woman. And there's just some things that I just think some people, regardless of how wealthy or unwealthy they grew up as white people, just will never understand, Mm -hmm. you know, or be able to relate to. Yeah. But all of the black women relationships that I currently have, they, some of them, you know, were a little more open to start, but some of them were hard to get to that place. Mm-hmm. Like one of my girlfriends, Danielle, lovely girl, um, her and I wanted to like kick each other's asses. Like when we first met and like, she, I like had a party at my house, which I did not invite her to her or her friend. We, we always laugh about this. I did not invite, I, but her friend invited herself and showed up without her. So she came by herself knowing that like her and I had had a little beef at work and stuff. And when I saw her on my like intercom in my head, I was like, the fuck is this bitch doing here? (laughs) But then at the other side of it, I was like, well, you know, like 
I respect that she's coming here. I want to give her the benefit of the doubt that she's not trying to come to my house to beat me up, you know? <laughs> like, I want to let her inside and see what happens. And now she's a, like, really great friend of mine. And, you know, I always enjoy my time with her. And we always, like, bond and we always laugh about how we both wanted to beat each other up at one point. <laughs> that is hilarious that's that's pretty off she wasn't invited she wasn't i was like i did not like them i was like i told everybody else except for them and then they somehow like heard about it and the other girl like she was like um how come you didn't invite me to your party and i was like i want to be like bitch because i don't want you (laughs) yeah like we're not friends what are you talking about Uh, whatever (laughs) i guess i'm stuck with no ass yeah, but to say, I, I, I value my Black women relationships, but I do think it's harder for us to be friends with each other um, right off the bat. I think our natural instinct is to almost, like, protect ourselves and, you know, like, not be friendly, you know, be the, the unapproachable Black hottie. Like, that <clears throat> is the vibe. Right. And I think that's so interesting because where did that come from? And I think... It comes from us always being taught that you can't have you, black women are your competition. Yeah. Like, yes, I feel like it was, yes, white women are your competition, but they're your competition in a way that you can't fight against. Like, I can't change yeah. the color of my skin. Right. And so they already yeah. have that upper hand. At least with black women, we're on the same level ground. And so yeah. I can fight you, right? I can yeah. I can combat you because we're on the same level ground. Instead of we're on the same level ground, let's work together to overtake yeah. this hope. <laughs> and yeah. and I think that is why it's always so much the where oh, I didn't like you at first. And it's and it's and it's very nine times out of ten it's it's justified on one side or the other or both because like you said you come into the situation with your guard up because we have been trained that black women are a competition and yeah. so therefore I have I can't I can't show no weakness I you know because then she gonna give me the jab to the left and I'm gonna be on the ground can't have that <laughs> so I um. My goal in like life is to build community and um, for Black women where they don't feel like they have to be in competition with each other. Yeah. yeah. Because it's so freeing when you don't have to. Like when you could just be your great self and flourish in your greatness and then find those like-minded people who have their own greatness that is complementary to yours. Like, because as much as we want to do it all, we cannot fucking do it all. Like we need help at some point. And so when you find greatness, that is that help. <laughs> oh my God, the things that could happen. And, yeah. and really that's why they don't want us. That's why they've taught us to, to see each other as competition. I fully yeah, believe. They know black women together. make. Oh my God. Like you cannot stop us. Run shit. Yeah. You and, and cannot stop us. Yeah. And so my mission in life, whether it's through this podcast or any other endeavor that I have done or will do, it is always to 
build that community of black women to where eventually, you know, even if it's not while I'm alive, we could take over the world, Pinky. Like, you know, yeah. Pinky in the brain shit. Yeah. I mean, that's how I feel too. That's why like I started that. Cause I think I just realized, I was like, Jessica, what, what is this helping you? Like talking shit about other women or, you know, I, I'm not even going to lie. I hooked up with other people's booze before, you know, like I was not a good, I was not a good girl. Like mm-hmm. I was not a good girl's girl. Like I was terrible. And I was like, karma's going to come around and bite me in the fucking ass. And then I'm going to be pissed. And who am I going to be pissed at other than myself? You know? Mm-hmm. So I was like, I need to change the way that I start thinking about women, how I relate to them, how I look at them when I see them, like how I support and uplift them because the way I'm doing it right now is not the vibe. Like this ain't it. And I wanted to build like a brand, like you said, like yours, basically, like we doing the same thing. Yes. You know? That you know, helps people. Yeah. And it's funny because not necessarily about, you know, I guess who I am, but the other day I, I realized like there's been time. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I told you I was in my mama's garage. She just opened the garage. <laughs> but she literally never opens the garage she screams at me for opening the garage because why do you need to open the garage when you can go through the front door that doesn't have a motor on it if my motor in my garage goes out you're buying me a new one and now all of a sudden when i'm sitting here doing actual life things she's opening the garage (laughs) (laughs) that's so funny (laughs) well mine's a nice little intermission (laughs) Gotta love moms. <laughs> um, right. I forgot what I was saying. Um, we were talking about um, black women relationships and competitiveness. Yeah, but I was going to make a point and I lost it. <laughs> it's, it's gone. It's fine. Let me just, you know, ask another question. Um, okay. So. You are now the cultivator of friendships, right? Um, See, what I was going to say had something to do with that because you were talking about how you were not a girl's girl, but now you're a lot nicer. (laughs) Dang it. Don't you hate when you just, it's just gone. And like, I got everything up until that point. (laughs) Anyways. It's so funny, though, to just, like, hear you say it back. Like, (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, I mean, I have absolutely had times where I was not a person who was a good friend or a good non-friend if I didn't even know you. Then I really was probably not great because I didn't even know you. So I fully understand that. And then, you know, I start, like you said, I realized, like, hey, do I really want to be this person? Oh, I remember. Okay, so <laughs> I the other day I realized like there are there are things that I do um, or may not do anymore, but have done in the past that I didn't really want to do, but because I was told that you know all black girls have the resting bitch face. I feel like I mm-hmm. played into that because I 
I thought that's what a black girl was. And so when I was going yeah. through, especially like my teenage years, when I was going through this, those years of really trying to figure out who I was, especially as a black, I wouldn't say a black woman, but a black person. Um, yeah. There was a lot of, this is what black people do. This is what black people do. And so I always wanted to do those things, even if they weren't things that were really me. So like you said, you know, having resting bitches for just no reason. I try and fix my face now. So it may be a hereditary thing, but now I'm a lot more aware about it. Whereas then it yeah. was, I'm doing it on purpose because this is what black girls do. Yeah. And even like I'm rebelling against like, don't get me wrong. Cause there was obviously things that I really felt solid in as a, as a teenager with, regards to my parents but there were also times where I was like no I'm just rebelling because this is what I'm I was told a black girl does like this is the interaction mm -hmm. black girls have with their parents or black girls have with their mothers you know it's a very combative interaction so I would be extra combative because I thought yeah. that's what I needed to do and again that goes back to what we were trained you know as black women to, to have that competition. You have to be this, this certain type of black girl to really be black. Right. And all of those things are negative. Yeah. <laughs> all of those yeah. things are negative. And so, and then when you yeah. grow up and you keep, you continually do those things because now it's, you know, second nature. Oh, now you're the problem. You have an attitude and you know, you, you're just loud and all these other things that are negative that y'all taught me to be when I was younger. Now yeah. is being used against me. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely was like the angry black girl stereotype for like many mm -hmm. years. And, you know, I always like, I really do feel like it was, I really feel like just like the move for me was very different. Like going from Vermont, you know, in a predominantly like white area to going to college in the Bronx and, you know, I was paired with white roommates, but then it was like, you know, the black girls felt like I wasn't being black enough because I like joined the dance team versus the step team. But it was like, I grew up where like ballet and shit like that, like in a white ass town, like we didn't have step, you know? So I can't join the step team just because I'm black. Mm -hmm. Like, it, so it was like all this, like, it was hard for me because then I was like, okay, well, all the black girls hate me. So I might as well give them something to hate, mm -hmm. you know? And then I was just like a terrible person. You play into those negative, you get told them so yeah. much that it's like, well, shit, instead of fighting them, I don't, it's easier to just be those things. Even if that's not yeah, who I really exactly. am. Yeah. And it wasn't until I left and like, once I moved to Brooklyn and really found people that I could actually like talk to about things and people who like understood where I was coming from, I was just like, wow, I was like, this is what it feels like to be understood. Like, and not have someone, you know, instantly like hate me because I'm, I'm brown and, you know, whatever. Like, it was just like such a different experience. And I think that yeah, like our environment is what changes us, like who we're around, what they're doing, you know, how they're acting in 
Vermont, I was always known as the black girl because I was the only girl in town. In New York, I was known as the not so black girl. Like I wasn't black enough, mm-hmm. you know? It's like you go from being in a town where like you're the, you know, whatever they call it, you're the example of a black girl. And then you go to, you know, New York City and now all of a sudden you're not black enough. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, it's like exact, I don't know what you want me to do, guys. You're the exact opposite. <laughs> you're still yeah, you, like exactly. you haven't changed, but your context in relation to everything else has just yeah, yeah. Like everyone keeps telling me who I am, what I'm doing, or whatever, but like no one's really like you know. And then I think when you find those people that actually like listen and want to know your complexities and share their own, and you know, do it on a scene level, like that feels great because you're like, oh my God, there are people out there that I can talk to. It feels like a breath of fresh air. And like people that, again, you can talk to and not always have to agree with. Like for me, that's so important to be able to have um, community with with like-minded people, but also different-minded people, whether that's the same person in one or, you know, like I don't want to be surrounded by people who all think exactly the same because then how do you grow? How do you learn? Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so just understanding like that we don't have to be the same to get along and be friends. Like we can still be cool. Yeah. Well that right there. Yeah. That there like ties back into, you know, some of the statistics you were saying, like as far as like dementia and, stuff like that. It's like, if you're staying inside, you're not expanding your mind. You're not using those muscles and energy. Like my boyfriend jokes that he feels like he's getting dumber because if he's not with me, he stays inside his apartment. And I was like, it's because you're not stimulating your mind. Mm -hmm. You're not going out and meeting new people and listening to their stories of life and their trials and tribulations and sharing your own and learning something new and seeing something new you're just sitting at home so the people that isolate themselves like they're sitting at home they're not talking to anyone so their brains are just like turning to mush Mm -hmm. that's dementia right there Mm -hmm. they're dying earlier because they're so depressed or they get dementia so that's the you know percentage of them dying more often right mental mental fatigue yeah and mental fatigue is absolutely uh eventually will manifest itself in physical physical form so you know that loneliness is absolutely a a huge fatigue on somebody's mental health and um that in of itself will give you physical symptoms of things that are like could have not even been a problem before so with that said and with you saying you know like people need to get out the house, right? Um, work your brains, work, you know, work your social skills, even if you yeah. don't have many. Just yeah. go find, you know, go find other people with very few social skills and you guys work together mm-hmm. and build on those together. Um, yeah. So how do you cultivate new friendships? Um, and then how do you nurture your existing friendships? Yeah. I think that's um, like the cultivate new friendships is like the key to life. <laughs> like how because girl, I tell people all the time, I have a I have a male friend and he's always asking me like, 
where your friends at? Like, you ain't got no female friends. Like, I, I want somebody to talk to. First of all, no, because I would not <laughs> work. No. Um, second, I always say, I have no friends. And he's like, how do you have no friends? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. Where do you go to find them? Like, can you call, can you order them on Amazon? Can I order them from, like, where do I order these from? Because I am at a complete loss. So how does a normal human, maybe not normal, little abnormal black woman <laughs> cultivate relationships, friendships with other abnormal black women? Um, I mean, I would say like the female friendships that I have now are like scattered. Um, I have like one or two from high school and then I have maybe like three or four from college, more guy friends, I would say from college. And then post-college, you know, I probably have like, I don't know, like, a lot more because I do a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Like all my friends are like high school, college, some of the jobs I've worked at. Um, So I used to like hostess in the city and even waitress at times. Um, So like friends from there. And then I think really that's it. And then from work stuff, like once I started my own company and I was doing more things, you know, I was out and about and all this stuff, like it was people from work that I just really clicked with and was like, wow, okay, cool. Let's be friends. (laughs) Right. You're a dope human. I'm a dope human. Let's be dope together. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I, but I will say that, um, you know, my friends are all think that I have a lot of friends. Um, but I think I'm just good at keeping in touch with people. So Mm. I think that there's, you know, I, I've, I've come to realize as I get older, there are different levels of friendships, obviously. Like there are people that I would call my friends that I think most people would say that they're like acquaintances, like people that you see maybe like once or twice a year kind of deal, but, or like, you know, you, you shoot them a, Hey, what's up on their DM story or some shit like that, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, But I think like the ones that like I truly like are the ones that I've made like post-college, but I've also like, you know, I've gotten rid of some friends over the last few years. I've gotten rid of at least like three or four. I think I'm at four actually. And I think that people like, I don't know. I think that they get upset, you know, but it's like sometimes like certain friendships run its course. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's some that are just like not meant to be forever friendships. <laughs> so you got to let them go and make room for more. Was that saying, um, people come into your life for a reason, a season or a lifetime. And you just yep. got to figure out, you know, which bucket they, they fall in. And that goes with yeah. friendships as well. Yeah. And I think it also, for me, it also depends on like the city, you know, like depending on the city, it also makes a person, I think. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know that um, I am not great at staying in touch. It is like not. Maybe that's why you don't have friends. I know. <laughs> it is. Well, I think it's more because I always be as I. 
But, you know, the the friends that I had before I was inside, yes, that is probably the reason why we don't talk much anymore is because actually I know for a fact there's about about four people waiting on either a phone call or a text back for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I keep saying like, oh shit, I'm supposed to call that person back. I'm really bad about it. And it's not, I tell them all the time, don't charge it to my heart, charge it to my head. It's because I'm forget things. I'm very forgetful. Um, but also I'd be doing a lot of shit. And so like, I feel like my mind is always moving and some things fall by the wayside. And unfortunately that tends to be people most of the time, which is actually something Mm -hmm. that it's like one of those things that I want to work on because I do want friends. I don't want to be lonely anymore. Like I would, I still ain't going to tell a homeboy, my friend about, you know, my, my, women friend you don't need to know about them you know but I would like to actually have friends to say yes to that question <laughs> like where your friends at oh she over here she over there yeah. no right now I don't know where anyone's at <laughs> like at all um, <laughs> but I think um something you said was like you have you have friends in different areas kind of of your life and I always remember my mom talking about when I, when I was growing up, you know, you'll be lucky if you can count your real true friends on one hand. And I think about that now and I was like, but I don't want to count them on one hand. Like I want to have like multiple hands and like, like I want to be surrounded. Um, and like, doesn't mean we have to like talk every day or every week or even every month, but I want people in my life that are a lot of them that are good people that I can pour into that pour into me care about me that I care about and it just feels limiting to think that you can only have you know up to five friends and I think that's also another one of those things where like they've taught us that you're not going to really have many really good friends. So you're going to have to pick that one best friend. And that's the person that you're going to be with for the rest of your, like your best friend for the rest of your life. And yeah, think of how many relationships you don't nurture with that thinking, like how many opportunities you may even be missing because you're not connected to as many people as possible. You're just connected to this one person. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what we're always told, you know, and my mom tried to let me know like, oh, you can have more than one best friend. And at first I was like, no, you can't. (laughs) I kind of like realized that. And yeah, I would say that I have a really solid group of friends. Um, If I put them all in a room together, you know, there'd be quite a lot of them. And I feel very confident that everyone in that room is someone that I like trust and know, like respects me and I respect them and I have different relationships with everyone. And I think that's what people forget too, is that you can have multiple friends and have different relationships with each of them. You know, there can be your friend that you guys just love going to get shit faced, you know, love that. There's another friend that loves to travel. There's another friend that likes to sit and have deep conversations and make you food or whatever it is. Like you can have all different types of friends, like depending on my mood, you know, I like that I can pick through my friends. (laughs) It sucks when like the one person that likes what I like isn't available and no one else likes it, but 
you know, for the most part, it's like, okay, what mood am I in? Like, which friend do I want to be around or whose energy do I need right now? And, you know, give them that much energy as well. Like, I have like some friends that I know if I hang out with them, we're probably just going to be like partying. <laughs> and I have to make sure that if I go hang out with them, like I'm ready to party. <laughs> right. Right. I absolutely, so, <laughs> there have been times where somebody's called me and I'm like, do I have the energy? Do I have their kind of energy today? I don't think yep. I do. I don't think I do. But if you're finding that, you know, because maybe that's why you're not about to therapize you. Oh, no. (laughs) Let's go. Read me, please. Maybe one of the reasons why you feel like you have no friends is because those friends are the ones that are hitting you up, like the ones that want to go party and you don't have that energy. So it basically just means that you have to go put yourself in situations where there's going to be people around you that you want that energy from. Right. Back to that like-mindedness. Exactly. You know, like maybe it's like going to a coffee shop during the day and like hanging out there. Or last year I was like super lonely around like August and I've been begging my friend to let me play on his bowling team. Cause I was like, I gotta get the fuck out of my house. <laughs> so I just went and played on this bowling team. I didn't know anyone there except for my friend. And you know, I had a good time and I got to listen to all these people and talk to them about, you know, Shit, I didn't have any interest in talking about, but <laughs> hey, it got me out of my house and right. I had a great time. <laughs> you know what I started because I I was very much avoiding uh situations that I didn't have the energy for. And um which is a good like I was, you know, reserving my my energies, but it like you said, left me very lonely. And so I do think that I have to find friends for the energy that I'm in right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, there's still, there's nothing wrong with my old friends. Still love them. Still going to be around because you know, you're going to have those times where you're like, fuck it. I just want to go out and get fucked up tonight. You know who yeah. to call. But like you said, you need to have that, uh, variety. Like, I, I mean, I like variety in my weed. So why not like variety in my friendships? Exactly. Exactly. I love that. So what do you look for in a friendship? Like what are the values and the standards that are like your must haves? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think like first and foremost, like I'm a big, like, and I know this is funny for me to say now, cause I used to not be this way, <laughs> but I'm a big, you know, proponent of like girl code, you know, like, I have never post high school, like definitely not in college. Um, I had never like her, like if, even if my friend says that like they like a guy now, you know, and it's, again, this was never the case back in the day. I'd be like, you want to bet? Who (laughs) gets them first? (laughs) Whoever's there first wins. (laughs) But then, you know, I was just like, okay, like, let it be. So I would definitely say, like, girl code. I have actually, like, dubbed some of, uh, some ex-friends because of that. Um, so that's a big one for me, especially if it's, you know, just, like, sticky territory, like, you know, like, you slept with them, and then they ask you if they can, and you ask them politely not to, and then they do it anyways. It's like, well, why the fuck did you ask me? Right. I would have rather just have not known. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, so <laughs> that's a big one for me. Um, and really just like, I don't know, I think just patience, you know? And I say that because like, I am very, very busy, but I will make time for people that, you know, I care about in my life. Um, you know, like I'm running my own business, like I'm busy and I have a lot of other things going on. And so just the patience and understanding of like, we all have shit going on, you know, don't like be upset because I'm not answering something right away, you know, like try me again. Or like, I'm pretty good at like following up after the fact, but sometimes I'm just like super busy and I don't even know which way is up. And I get to the end of the day and I just like, don't want to text anyone on my phone. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't want to talk to anybody. I want to get high on the couch and watch Disney movies. Mm-hmm. Oh, that sounds like a very fun evening. <laughs> it is. <laughs> so definitely like the patience thing and really like the loyalty. Like I am a very loyal person. I think most people that know me would say that too. Um, so that's a big one for me. And I think that also just is like encompasses the whole like girl code, like, you know, patience kind of thing. It's just like loyalty, you know, and honesty as well. Like I've ended so many, even mostly guy friendships that are just like built on lies. And I'm like, why wouldn't you just tell me the truth? And, you know, I wouldn't be pissed that you lied to me. (laughs) So loyalty is a big one. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, for me, probably number one is accountability. Like I, I can't deal with you if you can't be able to say I fucked up. Mm-hmm. Like when you really did. Like I'm not the type of person to like blame everything on one person, but I am also very direct yeah. I'm very honest. So if you do something fucked up, I'm going to be like, I'm not going to do it in front of everybody, but I'm like, when, you know, obviously have that respect to be, it just be a conversation between me and that person. But if I bring something to you and say, yo, this was fucked up and it's never your fault, like never your fault, um, or you can't even acknowledge what happened, uh, like you just gloss over it, like it, oh, whatever. It's, you, fine no bro like (laughs) let's stop and say hey i'm sorry like so for me accountability is probably number one um because most most other things i can deal with um and then integrity that would be and i think that kind of falls into like what you're saying with the the girl code kind of like i've been fortunate that none of my friends and i have ever really found the same person attractive So I've never had to experience that kind of situation. So maybe one day this answer changes, but for me, it's more, I need to know that when I'm not there, you're a representative of me. So when I'm not there, if somebody's talking shit, you're going to be like, yo, uh, that's my friend. So what's really the problem? Yeah. And, um, that when I think of girl code, that's the part I think of, like I said, because I've never been in a situation where it was like, you know, you fuck my man. Well, actually I have. And I whooped her <laughs> ass and it felt great. <laughs> yeah, I forgot all about that girl. <laughs> um, 
But beyond that, and even that, it was more that she lied to me about it. Because yeah. it was after me, after me and him had already broken up, and it was more that she lied about it, and that's what bothered me. Like because at that point, I could care less about it. You can go ahead and have my seconds if that's what you really yeah. want, but you lied, and so now we have now I can't trust you. Yeah. Um. So yeah, those would be my like absolute deal breakers, and like the things that I really look for. I think like my green flags. Someone who is. Um, not clingy <laughs> because yes. because like like I'm also very busy and on top of being busy I'm very forgetful so like I like I don't I don't want you to never call me but don't incessantly call me yeah like sometimes I do need a reminder like bitch you were supposed to call me what happened yeah. You're right. My bad. That's that's all me. I'm gonna do better. But if you have called me five times, we have a problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So definitely somebody who is independent, but also super supportive. I think more supportive and like a listening ear. Because nine times out of ten, I don't I'll tell you when I need advice. I'll say, Hey, I need advice for A, B, and C. Nine times out of ten, I just need somebody to vent to. And so yeah. having that supportive ear means so much yeah yeah i feel that um you have definitely told us that you have removed toxic friends or friendships that no longer served you so how did you deal with that breakup of the friendship um i mean i think that i'm a stone cold bitch and (laughs) i kind of go into those things like cold turkey um I, you know, I think my first friendship that I had to end, I was, I was upset naturally. Um, it's like a breakup, you know, like you feel like you have to, I don't know, like remove your life and depending on how good of friends you are, you know, like untangling your life from friends is hard. Um, but my thing is just, um, I don't really do much other than tell them, you know, and um, depending on the circumstances around me telling them, that's pretty much it. I don't really believe in the like blocking, unfollowing type thing. Um, I think, I don't know. I just don't like that energy of like someone, someone made me feel this disgruntled that I had to go to social media and like block them, <laughs> you know? So I leave that usually open. Uh, I do find a lot of the times though, like, some of those friends will actually unfollow or block me. And I'm like, whatever, that's your decision. Um, never, also never understood that. Yeah. I never understood it. And I mean, I've had it happen to me as well, where a friend, you get into argument with a friend and they block you. And I'm like, Oh, do you feel better now? Does that, Mm -hmm. that make, if that made you feel better, more power to you, sis. It's like the removing of the relationship on Facebook kind of deal. Yeah. If it's, if we're not friends on Facebook, it's not real. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're we're officially not friends anymore because we're not friends on Facebook. No, it's real now. Yeah. Yeah. I you know, I've only had uh well, the one friendship, it was in high school, and again, I whooped their ass and I felt great afterwards. So I didn't really grieve that process. Um, and I feel like I'm somebody who will give you fifty million chances before I cut you off. 
And so nine times out of 10, once I've cut you off, I don't feel much about it because I've already processed like the last 50 times, like through that to get me to this point. And so I don't know that there's, there have been times where I'm like, okay, this one kind of hurts and like, I'm kind of in my feelings, but for the most part, I have learned to let myself feel those feelings, identify like what, what was it that got us here? And I'm, like you said, I'm, I am fascinated by humans. And so figuring out what got me to wherever I'm at usually helps me deal with it. Like if I can map it out, I may not understand it. I may not agree with it, but I can, I can work through it. And so that, that's kind of how I deal with them. Like, okay, let's map this out. How do we get here? What did I do? What did they do? Like, how did, Yeah. and like, having that analysis of it really helps me kind of put it to bed. Definitely. Yeah. I would say like all the people who I am no longer friends with, it it was not like a sporadic, you know, I just woke up one day and chose rage. Like <laughs> there was like moments that happened up to that point where like whatever they did was like the final straw. And I was just like, I'm good. Bye. Yeah. Gotta go. <laughs> gotta go yeah I got other shit to do well you know I fully understand that but we're not gonna focus on the the toxic friendships that we have thankfully left behind in our past we're going to think about going forward and cultivating new friendships um and I hope this conversation helps somebody out there find new friendships or find the courage to go start looking for new friendships because we don't want to be part of that 60% that died prematurely because we don't have n- no friends. It's absolutely yeah. something that we can do something about. And I think that particularly black women should find black women friends. Like I think that we yes. like obviously don't be exclusive, but search out like-minded black women friends. And I guarantee you your, your emotional wealth your mental wealth like all those things will absolutely grow um absolutely i feel like this has been a dope ass episode i've had a great time talking to you me too um before we get out of here we always ask a real quick random ass question and you can pick a number between four and 20 and i will ask you that question nine Okay, so question number nine. If you had to rap a song for your life, what song would it be? <laughs> um, rap a song about my life. No, um, like for oh. your life. So like... I don't want to say like, you know, like you're on your last, your deathbed, but an angel comes to you and says, if you rap this song word for word, I will let you live. Okay. If we did that, this is not about my life. Mm -hmm. So I want to make that clear. But if we're talking from a standpoint of, I'd have to rap the whole thing to live, Mm -hmm. (laughs) then I would choose Cleaning Out My Closet by Eminem. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I love Eminem, but I forgot all about that song. That's so funny. And I mean, he's, 
honestly, he's he's one of my faves. I went to Coachella when he was going, and it was him, Beyonce, and The Weeknd. I went for him, not Beyonce. <laughs> Beyonce was like second level to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would have to do I'm Going In by Lil Wayne and Drake. I can sing the entire thing. Okay. It is absolutely ridiculous, but it is uh, quite interesting to watch my cousin say. So there's okay. that. Okay. Um, love both of those songs. Now I think I have to go listen to Eminem. So thanks for that. <laughs> um, this has been absolutely amazing time. <clears throat> Excuse me. I want to say thank you so, so very much for coming through, smoking with me, being absolutely insightful and just amazingly open and vulnerable. I uh, just, my heart goes out to you and in thanks. Um, Thank you. Yeah. it, It was a wonderful conversation. And I think you gave me some new perspectives to look at on things and you have inspired me to go find new black women friends. So I appreciate you for that. Um, I hope that we can definitely stay in touch. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, because this was like, I'm like, oh, these are the deep conversations that I want to have that I've been looking for. So we're friends now. (laughs) Um, Love that. Yes. So tell the people where they can find you, how they can support you, and if possible, give you their money. Yes. Um, we actually have a Patreon account. So patreon.com slash high on feminism. We currently have two tiers on there, but we are in the process of about to launch a ton of different merch items. Um, so we'll be building out more tiers there. Uh, we just launched our official web platform, High on Feminism. You can check out past episodes of the podcast, um, our High Talks panel series. And again, that's where all of our merch will be. Um, and of course you can follow us on Instagram at high on feminism or our, um, my PR channel at woke media BK and on YouTube as woke media BK, um, where you can get discount codes for all these really dope products by really great women. Love that. Definitely go follow her, talk to her. As I always say, don't be weird, but you know, be a friend. Um, yes. Yes. Love that. <laughs> so that definitely sums up another episode of Bluntly Black Girls. One more time, thank you to my smoking sister Jessica, and uh, you guys can follow us on IG at Bluntly Black Girls, Twitter Bluntly B L K Girls, and visit the website www.bluntlyblackgirls.com. My goodness, couldn't even get it out. Um, I hope you, yes, (laughs) I hope you have gained some insights or maybe even a friend from this. I am happy to have more friends. So please feel free to comment, rate, subscribe, and talk to me. I know Jess also loves when people comment, rate, subscribe, talk to her on the podcast and everywhere else she is because she's doing all of the things. Uh, let us know what you think about the episode, um, what you think about friendship among black women and how we've been conditioned and how we're breaking those conditions. Any questions or uh, comments from my guests, definitely hit us up. You can, or you should smoke a blunt, drink your water and fuck what anybody got to say about being a bluntly black girl. And we are out. Why did you open the garage? See, you already hear the attitude. You hear the attitude.
I'm sorry. Mom, I'm recording. I'm sorry. You don't want to yell at me. Well, because you already opened the garage. It's already you've already done it. Oh my gosh. It's okay. We're just going to wait for you to go. Thank you. While you're waiting, you can help me take the second. What? Is it just one of your coworkers? No. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs>